Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and success strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Ball. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by my company, Bull Realty. Uh, we help businesses, investors, and developers buy, sell, and lease real estate in the Southeast U.S. Check us out at bullrealty.com. Well, today we have a cool show for you. The name of the show is Now is the Time to Blank. <laughs> now is the Time to Blank. And you're probably feeling that in yourself right now. Uh, let me introduce my guest. It's Casey Conway, and he's Chief Economist with the CCIM Institute. He's here in Studio One. KC, thank you for being with us, sir. Thanks for having me back, Michael. You brought your red shoes, huh? I did. brought my uh, CCIM red shoes with me. That's great. <laughs> if, they, if they were Nikes, I'd say we should just do it. But they're all birds, so I probably can't say just do it. Next that, time, that, just do it. That's right. Well, you know, you think of uh, CCIM, you know, that we, I'm a CCIM. We are analysts at heart. We love the numbers and that you're our chief economist. That, uh, that puts you at a very high level. We appreciate uh, you being on the show today. And, you know, I think a lot of people are inquisitive right now about, hey, what is it the time to do? You know, I was just with a developer this morning, and he's like, should I move forward, should I not? So let's talk about it. First of all, I guess a lot of it starts with the economy, and a lot of the economy really starts with jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So this morning we got the jobless claims data, lowest level since December 1969, 202,000 jobs. So if we're, you know, if we're going to see any chinks in the armor and, and deterioration, we're going to see it in employment first. We're not seeing it on jobless claims. We're not seeing it on the uh, jobs numbers. Now, you know, I don't follow the government made up jobs numbers. <laughs> BLS minus L equals BS. And that's barbecue sauce for the, those in the South. That's a polite way that we say it. That's right. And if it's really bad, we say, bless their pee pick and heart. Right after it. <laughs> barbecue sauce. Uh, ADP has been telling us we've been producing well over 200,000 mm -hmm. uh, every month. Uh, they showed 183 last month when the government showed just 20,000. Now, I explained that blip as follows. So we had the government shutdown that affected December and January. And what happened is the, uh, the real economists went, were furloughed and went home, and they left the interns in charge. And they didn't know what the numbers were, so they made up 300,000 for December and January when we normally see a slowdown. And then when we start to should see the turn, you know, with housing and everything start back, they put 20. So we get a new number Friday. I think it's going to be positive. ADP will be uh, very strong as well, I think. So I think we're on track, 200,000 solid jobs. Um, so I would say just do it. I don't see any, any real weakness out there. So with great jobs numbers still continuing there, what do you see for income growth? And what does that mean? Is it time to just continue to build an investor? Yeah, I think you got to, you know, now is that time where you're, you know, kind of up at the top of the market where all's real good. You've got to do your sensitivity analysis. So, mm -hmm. you know, one that's a, a big hype thing is, you know, looking at opportunity zones. Everybody mm -hmm. thinks the tax benefit is the reason that they should do the deal. Mm -hmm. And a good, good friend of mine, uh, Steve Rothschild and uh, uh, Ricky Novak at the Strategic Group, you know, always, you know, preach, you know, the deal's got to stand on its own, the fundamentals. Mm -hmm. The tax impact makes about 350 to 400 base point, basis points of mm -hmm. positive hit. So you got to be looking at that and say, what if rents only grow zero to two percent instead of you know three to five percent? How do I do it? Uh, what happens if cap rates suddenly move up fifty basis points? I think we're one trade deal away this week from being back in a very solid three percent GDP, and maybe the Fed being back in a rate hike mode as soon as September. They're not cutting rates. They're, I think the next move is a, is a rate increase. I think we actually do get one this year. Well, then does that mean it's time to maybe consider? 
refinancing your properties on some uh, long-term uh, fixed rates if you can get them? Yeah, I think the uh, technical economic um, reply on that is duh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, remember, it was only about six months ago we were at a three and a quarter 10-year treasury and yeah. we're, you know, hovering around 250. We inverted, we went below that this week. I would absolutely be taking advantage of that, whether you're, whether you're a millennial looking at buying your first home, whether you're a baby boomer looking uh, at, at rotating and getting out of those high-tax states <laughs> that, that have really been hurt um, you know, by the salt and all these other um, insane tax increases. Uh, they're booming in Florida, the states that don't have income taxes. It's just like a big vacuum sh sucking up the relocation. So uh, the property type metrics, you look at vacancy, you look at absorption, you look at performance. They're all solid. Another one that came out this morning by good friends of mine at TREP. So they track what happens to the permanent loans that move into special servicers. So those are the loans that have some trouble. They have an occupancy problem. They have trouble with debt service coverage. And they just set a new record low on the number of loans, the percentage of loans moving to special servicers. So again, if we're looking for problems, wouldn't we see more loans starting? That's a bellwether, a, hit, you know, a, a leading indicator. We're not seeing that. Three and a half percent down from over five percent a year ago. And the two leads were office and retail. So again, if it's retail apocalypse, retail went from over a seven percent rate of all loans moving to special servicers a year ago to five and a half, and office went from six down to about four and a half. Yeah, and I think that may surprise some people. I mean, there are people kind of concerned about the cycle and, hey, it's got to be time for some, some bad news. Now, you mentioned opportunity zones, and one of the things I think is that now is the time to blank. If you're an investor or you're a developer, I guess that's one of the things to, to look at is opportunity zones and, and the benefits there of the tax savings, obviously, but also maybe those areas improve more than other areas over time. Absolutely. So, you know, a lot of these opportunity zones that are really the most viable mm -hmm. are really in those areas where the city was growing out and you were starting to see the advancement, the regentrification of areas. You know, in Atlanta, we see, you know, the, the, the west side or the Beltline, even, you know, parts of DeKalb County is close in or, or included in opportunity zones. Well, I would advise people, we still don't have all the final details, especially on the debt side, how the debt works in and out if you pay it off and how you deploy it on, on assets to improve the property. So we're waiting on those, but I wouldn't wait to be identifying those assets and having a strategy for which opportunity zones. There's 8,700 of them, and probably less than 10% makes sense that the deal will stand on its own without the tax benefit. And so now would be the time, and I think there's tremendous opportunities in secondary markets. You look at a, you know, you look at a Nashville, a Huntsville. Uh, you could look at you know a Colorado Springs in Colorado, at Tucson, Arizona, you know, in Phoenix. These secondary markets that are really booming and growing and have really good uh, opportunity zones around kind of the growth, the university, the, the core growth areas, I would have those nailed down. I would even be looking at working with your broker to identify the assets and maybe putting an option on those. I mean, because when this hits, it's going to be a feeding frenzy. We've got potentially five, six trillion dollars of money that wants to go work, and it's going to be a feeding frenzy. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, states with... Uh you know, tax-free state income taxes, right, like Florida. So is now the time to potentially, if you're looking at a place to invest or develop, to consider states like Florida? Oh, I absolutely yeah. would. I just, I've been down there a lot, just came back from Florida, and uh, it's it's just, it's an, it's another world. It's like California in the 1950s or the gold rush days, you know, <laughs> in the, the turn of the century. And the same is true in Texas. And you look at the companies that are making the site selection decisions. So we had the big chaos with Amazon HQ2 last year. Um, and you look at that's all settled down. They reverse out of New York. Lots of lots of issues and problems there. But you know, Northern Virginia was doing strong. But you look at Apple going to Austin. You look at Norfolk Southern and picking their headquarters here. 
Uh, you look at the advancement, I'm over at the University of Alabama in Alabama. You know, we got the new Toyota Mazda plant coming online. You got the growth with the Blue Origin Company. You have Mercedes that's announced a new electric battery plant there. You have Airbus coming online with their new aircraft. You got Walmart using the port and expanding it as their redundant supply chain. You can go state by state. If you drew a line from really Northern Virginia, DC, down to Texas, it's just incredible, incredible yeah. growth story. Yeah, and that's where you want to invest, right? Where, where the action is happening. And what about business owners, uh, business leaders that need space right now? I think one of the things that uh, business leaders are always trying to think about too is the right space for their business to, to do well, whether it's logistics or employees. So what might business owners think about today for their space needs? That's a great question. So, you know, one of the biggest questions, I have, I have two points there. So if you're a business that's medium or large size, it's getting very hard to find big space. So if you're in logistics, you're faced with having to build a building today, and that's a one and a half, two plus year delivery if someone's got the site and ready to go. If you're on office space, we're not building a lot. We haven't built a lot of big new spec uh, office buildings anywhere in a long time. So the big space, if you need a full floor or two floors, you, it's hard to find. You better be and looking at New York's at. a good example, right? Absolutely. So here in New York, it took them 75 years to figure out how to build a new modern office building. Look at Hudson Yards and mm -hmm. the demand. It just shows you, you know, we talk in real estate, it's always about location, location, location. Well, sometimes it's about quality of the asset, quality of the <laughs> asset, quality of the asset. It, there's such a hunger for some of these new buildings. The other one is look at costs. So everybody thinks, you know, you hear about rising construction costs and that just affects the guy building a new building. Not so. If you're a tenant and you're relocating and you need sheetrock and metal studs and you need trades, they're very, very hard to come by. And we're seeing construction costs, both labor and materials, rising north of 10% per year. So I always tell folks, go look at the Association of General Contractors or look at uh, ENR engineering news record that have actually construction and economics uh, sections in there. And it, it's scary, so I, I wouldn't be delaying because you could find your cost being up 25, 30% a year or two years from now. Yeah, and that means a lot, like you said, for, for build-out cost. It also means a lot for just the construction of the building. And also means a lot based on the timing for expanding your office space or renewing your lease or, or looking at relocation is uh, based on the interest rates, right? Yeah, so you look at all these eventually, you got to put a permanent loan in place there. Somebody does. Yeah, and so you look at where rates are now, you know, like we said, you know, 250, duh, let's do the deal. Yeah. And then you look at the fundamentals. So you look at the financing's over right environment. The fundamentals are strong. We're not overbuilding really in any area. We have shortages in housing. Multifamily is pulled way back. We're still in a three, 350,000 unit range. Um, you look at office, it, numbers are very good. Absorption numbers are positive. That occupancy rate continues to come down. Rents are going up, especially the newer, larger space. Industrial, it's just on steroids. It's, uh, you know, you think it's cannabis in Colorado. <laughs> and even retail, if retail is so terrible, here's a, couple, here's a couple of interesting statistics. So last year, according to Real Capital Analytics, my, my friend Jim Costello, uh, they showed that um, retail uh, was just shy of multifamily for the most number, most dollar amount and number of, re, of real estate transactions. So if retail's an apocalypse and we're throwing it all away, what's happening? I mean, I'll show you how crazy it is. Here in Atlanta, we have a mall that opened up when I was graduating from Emory Business School called Gwinnett Place Mall. It's a great viable growth area in Gwinnett County. So nothing, nothing bad happened there, no job loss, you know, no big bank closings, anything like that. And so the mall has you know, pretty much died. They're going to retrofit a group out of Las Vegas, just bought it, and they're going to put a cricket stadium in there. And mm -hmm. so I thought, you know, it's crazy, right? So I did, did a little analysis and found out that in, in Atlanta, we have the largest Indian population that are just, you know, love cricket. Mm -hmm. And then I started thinking about Atlanta professional sports, right? So you think about 
Falcons haven't brought us that championship yet. The Hawks haven't brought us the championship. We lost the hockey team. But hey, we brought soccer in, right? Soccer mm -hmm. right away gives us a, a, finally a championship in Mercedes Stadium. Maybe Atlanta's hallmark is alternative sports. Cricket, soccer, yeah. <laughs> get rid of the other ones. You know, SunTrust is you know, going to take the park with them to Winston-Salem. <laughs> and I, and I want to go back to the, the retail in a moment with you because it might be the time to consider a lot of things there. But back to the uh, operator leading a business and thinking about that. I think it's interesting what you said. Look, if you're going to have construction costs that could rise in two years by 10%, maybe, mm -hmm. you might have interest rate rise um, by 100 base points or 200 base points. That cost for your new space, that move might be tremendously more expensive. So it might be the time now to kind of look at your needs. And also, you think of, you mentioned unemployment, and it's and it's harder and harder to find the right talent for your business. So your space and where you're located, what it looks like, can be very important there. So don't wait if you lead a business to wait for uh, your lease expiration. And there's subleasing. There's all sorts of things that can be done there. So. That's really a key point, I think, for business leaders to think about today when you add all those together. Yeah, and we're in one of these perfect spots, right, mm -hmm. where financing's right, the mm -hmm. fundamentals of real estate are right, mm -hmm. uh, everything's good. And so if you wait for, you know, that to deteriorate or, you know, to further convince yourself, it's kind of like, you know, when you're, when you're young in your 30s and say, why haven't you had kids yet? Well, I'm waiting for a better time. It's never going to be, <laughs> it's always going to be more expensive. There's never going to be a better time. Right now, I just don't see a better time. If you're someone that's looking to deploy capital, flow through on an investment, you're never, in my, my 35 year career, I've never seen it this good, not even during the Reagan era. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a short break. We're going to ask you about, is now the time to do invest in retail, develop retails? So we'll talk about some tips there for investors and for developers. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Chat. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com. Commercial Agent Success Strategies, incredible training for commercial agents. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Bomi International, for facilities and property management education, visit bomi.org. Buyproxy.com, your global commercial real estate listing service. Visit buyproxy.com. Red IQ, turning multifamily data into actionable intelligence. Visit rediq.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. This segment is brought to you by Commercial Agent Success Strategies. It is video training for commercial agents. Check it out at commercialagentsuccess.com. Today we're talking with Casey Conway. He's the Chief Economist with CCIM Institute. And we're talking about now is the time to do blank. You know, fill in the blank. And, uh, you know, before the break, we touched on uh, retail. And so is now the time to sell your retail, buy your retail? What's the time to do? Yes, I'd say the first thing is um, do a highest and best use analysis because really what we're finding in retail, everybody thought, well, it's all going online, point of sale is changing. 
the, the success in retail today is considering point of procurement. So any of us can go online and order anything we want, but how do we get it to us? So we're seeing lots of different models. One of the most interesting ones to me is what Kroger's doing with Walgreens. They're partnering up and saying, well, maybe we don't have the cost and, and infrastructure to do the Amazon E-Prime, Vinny vans, Mercedes vans running all, all over the place. Isn't that amazing? Amazon and its profitability is driving Mercedes vans around. <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, 25 years ago, we took pharmacy out of drugstores and we put it in grocery stores. 25 years later, we're taking grocery out of grocery stores and we're putting it in drugstores because half of what a drugstore sells, their floor space, it's all online, cosmetics, pharmacy. But the grocery stores are saying people want the online, they want close to them. So Kroger is doing an, what they call Kroger Express program where your online grocery order will be fulfilled at your neighborhood drugstore. So they'll package maybe the non-perishables at a closed Toys R Us store, <laughs> ship it to your local uh, drugstore, and your people still want to pick their melons and bananas and their perishables and, and milk. Look at the amount of refrigeration that's being added in drugstores. So do a highest and best use. Look at car dealerships, right? Carvan and everything else. We're going to probably open up the opportunity of all of these big acreage car dealerships for redevelopment, for housing and multifamily. And the car dealerships are going in things like branch banks. Mm -hmm. So they got the drive-through for the detailed car to stay clean. They got a couple of offices to meet with all the state dealership requirements and deliver the car and do the financing. Mm -hmm. So I'd say if you haven't done your highest and best use analysis, you don't understand it. And the thing to focus on is how does your piece of real estate fit in the point of procurement model versus the point of sale. It's all about procurement. Where are we going to get this stuff from? Yeah, that's a very good point. And uh, you were mentioning too that the velocity of retail sales uh, around the country has, has been huge. Yeah, so we're not spending less. So I, I encourage people, a lot of my fellow economists never read earnings reports. Mm -hmm. I encourage everybody to read earnings reports. Look at Walmart's quarter four ones. You know, it was record number in terms of their performance. Online sales up 40%. They're converting 800 stores a year to online, to handle online. Where at their peak, they only open about 200 stores a year. So they're converting four times that to online. Um, and so you look at Target, you go down any of the retailers and the sales, we're spending more, we're just getting it differently. And um, so I think, you know, we, we've talked once or twice before about, you know, whoever comes up with a successful term, it's the equivalent of a turduncan to describe industrial and retail. Mm -hmm. In five years from now, we won't talk industrial and retail differently. We'll talk about them like a turduncan at Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> and let's talk about office. Yeah, you'd mentioned earlier in the previous segment that the job market is, is really strong. Uh, and if you're an office developer or investor, now is the time to blank. Yeah. Uh, don't go low with WeWork. <laughs> okay. Don't cut them a deal. They need all, all that they can. Uh, WeWork just opened in Maryland, their first uh, WeWork office facility uh, on the campus or near the campus of the University of Maryland. So they're even recognizing that workforce. How do I get close to it? Go to the universities. Mm -hmm. Don't sell yourself short. Look at, again, do that highest and best use. And now so what you'll find is middle size and large companies can't find the space that they need. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is I think that office landlords and owners have been too desperate to give a deal to WeWork, and there's lots of models. CBRE is a different one where they're trying to teach you know large companies how to kind of do it themselves, cut the middleman out, and uh, so you know in the types of jobs we're creating today are a higher skill set. They're engineering, they're architecture, they're IT, and they need to meet. They need to have client spaces. So the types of jobs we're creating today are more uh, you know inclined to, you know or, or creative to uh, office space employment. So yeah, I don't think we're going short. And and we did a show recently on um, on uh, office market, and we talked about WeWork and this uh, co-working environment, and we talked to a landlord who's done some of 
some of these themselves. So there's some uh, tips there and some tips for, for landlords leasing to uh, co-working companies. So uh, do check that out. And then the last segment we talked about opportunity zones and we did a, a full show on opportunity zones. So we'll put links to those shows uh, below. So, so Casey, now's the time to blank. So as far as the cycle goes. Um, what do you what do you think? With respect to opportunity zones, or well, just no, overall? the cycle just in general. Yeah. You know, because it's been a nice long run. Some people are nervous. Yeah. So <laughs> what I would say is calm down. That we are not, and I forecast this back even when we were in the government shutdown in December. We're not going into a recession in uh, in 2019. Get rid of the R word. Um, it's the V. You know, we are going to have volatility. You know, do we get a trade deal, not get a trade deal? It gets closer, it doesn't get closer. The Mueller report, then we don't have it. Then, you know, we're going to have the national, we're already, what, how many, 2,000 candidates running for president already. So the question is, who's not running for president? <laughs> what I would say is, look at the fundamentals. Stay grounded. First, look at quarterly earnings reports. The earnings reports were phenomenal. Uh, the tariffs took a little bit of bite. They took some margin out, but they weren't enough to really hurt anybody. And they say we're pulling back on jobs. Uh, look at those forward-looking indicators, jobless claims, right? The jobless claims are saying it's a record low since 1969. Uh, look at the fundamentals of occupancy and absorption. Occupancy is, is levels that support and are creative to new, new development, new construction. Rents are growing. Uh, the types of workers that we're, we're creating are accretive to go into industrial warehouse space or to go into office. Retail, there's no apocalypse. We're just changing the use. And we've done this after World War II. We took a factory, a wartime factory economy, and we converted it to a different type of economy, making appliances and building homes so we go to the suburbs. That was very disruptive. It was as disruptive as what we've gone through now. So when I look back at history and I look at these numbers today, I, I would say you may not see another time or opportunity like this uh, in, in your career. At least I won't. I'm 56, so I, I'm, I'm dead and buried by then. So, uh, you know, my, my dad, when I bought my first house, my mortgage had dropped my first time home was about 10.5%, and he had lived through prime going to 21%. He said, grab it. You're never going to see interest rates below 10% again. So I, <laughs> never. I, I'm going to take a cue from my dad. You're never going to see interest rates below 2.5% again. <laughs> <laughs> and you might be right on that one, though. So you mentioned the uh, suburban market. So uh, if you're looking to potentially uh, sell or buy or invest in a suburban market, is now the time to do it in, in certain sectors? I absolutely agree. I think office is one. When you look at replacement costs mm -hmm. on these buildings, you're able to still buy suburban stuff at well below half percent, uh, half fifty percent off of, of replacement costs. And when you look at the employment, the, while the millennials, you know, tend to want to be near the urban areas and they don't want commutes and they don't want to know what a, a level or half the things in a Home Depot are used for, because <laughs> mom and dad they just call them and they come do all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Look at what we're doing in the suburbs. We're creating these kind of live, work, play, miniature type of communities. Um, and, and whatnot. So I think now is an opportunity. It's like retail when everybody's down on it and they have no imagination, they can't do highest and best use, they can't um, do replacement costs, they're missing an opportunity. I yeah. mean, look at Gwinnett Place Mall yeah. as a perfect example. Yeah, and I think I agree. And then for retail, it might be the opportunity to look at some of these properties that some of them are distressed. Uh, and maybe you can do a change in use, whether you're doing hotel or you're doing office or you're doing uh, any type of mixed use. And also, uh, we're seeing in retail uh, people just leasing normal office space in a retail center. Yeah, and it's, you know, as we get, let me look at like, you know, the SunTrust BB&T merger, right? As they close 750 or so branches and, you know, move to North Carolina, there's going to be a lot of office opportunity. Well, you have WeWork and Coca-Cola tripping over their feet in downtown Atlanta to get a hold of that, that office space. So um, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity. You've got to do your homework. I really encourage people, you know, this is a time where you really 
align with others. The CCIM are a really experienced um, commercial broker in your market. They know the market, they know the deals, they know the valuations, they know um, which lenders get it and which ones don't, mm -hmm. and how to help you get that financing yeah. done. Well, thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about a couple uh, really hot markets. Uh, let's take industrial for first. Time, now is the time to do blank with industrial. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's time to invest in tent warehouses. <laughs> so, you know, you look at the, the cost, it's really, uh, you know, I wrote a, a recent paper called Logistics Infrastructure where we looked at what is the where and why behind all industrial and where these where it's going and so we look at you know here in atlanta norfolk southern's moving their headquarters here from virginia it's all about logistics we have the intermodal the air cargo the port of um, savannah uh, great connectivity there you look at where a lot of these companies are locating fulfillment warehouses and whatnot they're aligning with the logistics infrastructure so if you're in a city or a state that doesn't have intermodal that doesn't have rail that doesn't have air cargo that doesn't have those pieces you're probably going to miss the opportunity and so uh, this paper you can go to our acre website uh, acre.com and uh, go to the research tab and and you can find this paper we had fun we made our own transformer out of so uh, the dean told me says casey i can always tell your research it starts with some sort of a picture mm -hmm. and i explained to her that i hated graduating from kindergarten going to first grade because <laughs> i got rid of all the picture books so <laughs> all my research so all the realtors and brokers i have lots of pictures and graphics but that, that's a cool picture and we'll put a link uh, at commercialrealestateshow.com as well uh, to that article it's a good one um so um industrial then think about developing or investing uh, in markets that uh, that have those benefits. Yeah, let me give you one other on the industrial side. You probably know uh, Sim Dowdy with King Industrial here in Atlanta. There's one in every major market, but Sim focuses on, you know, really the market and serving every single building, not a sampling. And, and Sim deals with a lot of the older stuff, the low clear ceiling height. And what he tells me is, you know, you look at 70% of all the industrial transactions that you look at, leases and sales of industrial in big markets, Dallas, Atlanta, Charlotte, you know, on, on up the line, are all, you know, smaller, low clear ceiling height, over 20-year-old buildings. Mm -hmm. And he says the reason is we're not building any new multi-tenant opportunities for yeah, to people that need 10, 20,000 yeah, square feet. Yeah, it's a big single tenant, yeah. And, and you, you can't get the land. Yeah. The costs are over 100 bucks a square foot. So when you can still buy these things, you know, 25 to 50 bucks a square foot, um, they're, they're on fire. So I wouldn't overlook your old warehouse, car dealerships are looking at them to store the car inventory. Mm -hmm. There's lots of opportunities, so don't overlook that older, low clear ceiling height stuff. Good location, you can't replicate it, lots of alternative uses. That's a very good tip. Well, let's look at multifamily. It's been hot as a firecracker. It's been been incredible. So uh, with multifamily, now's the time to do blank. <laughs> <laughs> make your make your units narrower. So uh, I think the the ceiling folks here in Atlanta are doing a project over on the west side, the old Atlanta Works deal, and they were they were showing me a, a new townhome that they have that they can't they can't finish enough of them, and they're repurposing older older buildings over there. It's an 11 foot wide townhome. Mm. And um, I, you know, I can imagine that works really well in Colorado because if you're on cannabis, 11 feet looks and feels like 22 <laughs> feet. <laughs> but but here in the South, we you tend to- You know because you do the research. Yeah, I do all the research on it. So. <laughs> but you know, here in the South where we eat a little more fried food, we probably need at least 22 feet. But what we're gonna see is incredible innovation on the multifamily mm. side. You know, we've heard about micro units, but we're, we're gonna see all kinds of innovation. We need things like to revisit manufactured housing. Mm -hmm. uh, it's an alternative thing, and it's not all ugly or bad. You know, we, we here in Atlanta have two tiny house subdivisions that have mm -hmm. been zoned. Um, it's it, you know, it's one that's the cost, 
and two, it's getting the land inventory. And people don't want the density. Another zoning ordinance we've seen passed here in, in, in land and around the country uh, are for carriage houses or accessory buildings, they call them accessory buildings. Mm -hmm. So the old days when we you know, build in the country club areas, they'd have an extra carriage house for the you know, live-in work help. Well, they're now looking at in these developments to put a carriage house that could be for the more affordable housing and a second unit and side entry to get higher density that doesn't look like multifamily. So my, my saying would be, uh, really look at our biggest need is really under 300,000. So the home builders are doing, they're making great margins. They're, they're so happy they're buying lots of Geico insurance, <laughs> um, building the move up in the luxury in the second home market. Anything above three, 350, especially the four to 600,000 range. But our workforce, our millennials, that what they need today, the new factories that are coming, you know, whether it's Toyota or Mercedes or Volvo in South Carolina, they all, they got a 16 to 18 hour worker and they can't afford that. So how are we gonna solve that problem? So we're only building a million one to million two houses uh, a year and 350 of those are multifamily. So where, where do we get that extra gap? And we're going to be very innovative. So I'd look at manufactured housing, I'd look at higher density, I'd be, be working now with your local leaders they are all under pressure to solve affordable workforce housing. And what they call it is the missing middle. Where do we house our middle class that can't afford a $500,000 home? Yeah, that's a good point. And we had a guest on uh, recently that is doing a lot of co-living, yeah. where they're renting out these apartments, uh, like you would think about student housing by the bedroom. And it was interesting what he said. He said, look, Michael, because of affordability reasons, we've got tenants that are leasing two and three bedroom apartments, and they're trying to find a roommate that then they don't know how to do it or how to check them out. We know how to check them out. We're renting them a room and it's working great. They share, they share a kitchen yeah. uh, and they're getting a lot more rent and solving affordability for the tenants. Yeah, we're seeing in, in things like student housing, multifamily, where they're, we're getting approvals to do them without parking, and they realize you don't need parking with a student housing deal. We're seeing that most of them don't need a full kitchen. So they're doing almost you know, a, a, an embassy suites or your suites hotel type chain miniature kitchen with a, a coffee bar and a, a microwave and not a full kitchen, and they're saving that space and putting in an extra bathroom or a bedroom, or they're using the, the furniture where with the hideaway beds, instead of going into the wall, they go up into the ceiling. Uh, they have floating walls. So we're gonna see a lot of innovation. The thing to pay attention to is the cost. And as you migrate and try to do everything, three and four dollar square foot numbers, again, just like single family housing, that's not where the depth of the market is. It's still back in that two dollar square foot range. Yeah. All right, Casey, excellent information as usual. Thank you, sir. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate you being on. Pollen's up, rates are down, go do a deal. Go have fun, that's right. <laughs> All right, well, thank you. And what do you think? Uh, is the time to do blank? Uh, fill in the blank, share it with us, and uh, let us know what you think. Thank you for joining us, and until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com. Commercial Agent Success Strategies, incredible training for commercial agents. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Bomi International. For facilities and property management education, visit bomi.org. Buyproxy.com. Your global commercial real estate listing service. Visit buyproxy.com. Red IQ, turning multifamily data into actionable intelligence. Visit rediq.com.